and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dave Neal here. This is the SAP, a.k.a. the Sex Actually podcast. And to all of my Patreon members, hello out there watching on the YouTube private Patreon link for those and the rest listening to the audio. Maybe driving in your car, maybe you're sitting at home, maybe you're having a cigar in your backyard. I'm not sure. Good to see you. If you're watching on the Patreon you see, I just got my Starbucks here with this nice green straw, which acts as a green screen, which looks really cool. It looks like I've got a lightsaber just on top of my drink. I know this is going to be super annoying to people. But anyway, let's just get right into it here. Hello, people. How's everyone doing today? You know, this is the last weekend of June, and then we start the second half of 2021. Does that not sound crazy that 2021 is half over? And we're still getting around to those New Year's resolutions we were going to make. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. You know, it's kind of like just, uh, you know, you get that planner you, you don't want to uh, deal with. So you hide it behind your couch or whatever. We're, we're, the, hu- the human condition is really good at adapting to ways to put off the thing that we are meant to do. And I recognize that. I could easily easily go a whole year without doing anything. But you know what I would end up doing? If I don't stay focused and pursuing my dreams and passions and all that, I would end up going on Instagram and seeing other people pursuing their passions and it would piss me off and I'd feel like a piece of crap, you know? Uh, The one time, the, 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 the one time that I actually felt okay without pursuing my passions was the beginning of the pandemic. Now I understand it was, uh, and again, I know the pandemic's not over. We got Delta variants and, uh, you know, African strains and the the British, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, it's, you know, I understand it's not over, but those first few months when they said, just stay at home and no one was like trying to learn how to do zoom standup shows or zoom Ted talks or only fans accounts. And before all of that happened, we were just told, Hey, take a time out breathe and watch some Netflix. And then they gave us Tiger King. Wasn't that nice? Doesn't that feel like about 15 years ago to everyone out there? Well, here we are. We're putting the pieces together. The world's opening back up. I've been doing stand-up comedy. This past Friday, we had a couple members of the Patreon. We had a couple members of the YouTube family, the Bachelor community came out to watch my stand-up show. Thank you guys so much for coming. Um, I really appreciated seeing you guys out there. It's making me look forward to, as we continue to build this little thing we got going on, it's made me look forward to meeting up in person all over the country, doing stand-up shows all around, wherever we can get to. So if you're listening to this and it's not your style to like write in and it's not your style to leave a comment or post a, a question on the Patreon, all I ask for you to do is sign up for the newsletter. It is the only way I get to reach you guys that's not, you know, you know, uh, that doesn't have issues with, you know, Facebook and YouTube. Even, Even though you might be subscribed or whatever, the algorithm will still decide which of my subscribers they will share my content with. It's super annoying. It's not fair. That's just how it works. So uh, make sure to get on the newsletter. There'll be a link posted in the description, or you can just go to daveneal.net. There's always a link posted in my Instagram, dneals, and all that. So uh, taking care of business. It has been incredible seeing the support you guys have given us. Okay, so if you don't follow The Bachelor, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. I'm going to talk about Reality Steve, who is probably the most famous Bachelor content creator. I'm going to talk about how he was kind of quote unquote canceled 
or at least there were attempts to, you know, cancel him for, for previous writings and things like that. I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about the radioactive culture around associating with people that have been publicly shamed and how we go down the list of saying, well, if you get your spoilers from reality, Steve, then you're part of the problem. And if you and if you interview him, then you're part of the problem. And we have this kind of weird culture where we're going to have to reckon with how we sort of untangle all of this when people have committed wrongs, either legally or morally, in his case, nothing legally, just moral, morally, um, you know, in today's culture. Well, I'll get into all that. I'll get into all that in a few minutes. So just stick around for that. I'm going to read two articles here. I'll pull them up. If you're watching on the Patreon cancellation might feel good, but it's not activism. That'll be an interesting opinion piece on activism. And then the impact of public shaming in a digital world. Plus I'm going to talk about why, uh, about how people that, um, that want, um, you know, progress to be made, social justice, not everybody, but certain people, a technique that will be used is public shaming and why that's a bad way to persuade somebody to your viewpoint. You know, as a comic, it's my job to sell a joke to an audience. It's not my job to say, laugh, 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 like a, like a, like a DJ can do that. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise. I got a little DJ button here. You like that? This is what the DJ can do. They can just hit the... Oh, if, you hear that right there? I don't know why it's not louder. But anyway, the point is, is the DJ can be like, make some noise and just drop a beat. No, a comic's got to sell you on a viewpoint. I got to sell you on why this is funny. I got to I gotta cross boundaries. I got to toe the line. Sometimes you say something inappropriate. Sometimes the joke doesn't land, but that's kind of part of the dance, right? And I think when it comes to activism, to which I agree with most uh, activists that want social justice. I agree with most things as far as wanting equality and not having, you know, I mean, we live in a, a real tough uh, situation where we have the most, uh, you know, our, 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 judici our judicial system, our prison system, they're racist. I truly believe that uh, we've incarcerated more, ple more people with a higher percentage being African-American than, I mean, we have more people in our prisons. It's modern day slavery. We have a lot of problems. I'm all on board. I'm all on board. I just see a scenario of enlightenment as the way to get the answers versus trying to shame people into having the right opinions. I believe the right opinions will come out in the wash because they're the right ones. So, you know, if we have, if we have good opinions about certain topics, let's talk about them. And if you have an opinion that might be a little bit off compared to someone else's, let's talk about it. You know, we were shaming people just a few months ago for the lab leak theory for the coronavirus. We were shaming people that were saying, Hey, you know, I talked to um, an evolutionary biologist and they, they say, you know, we're believing scientists here, you know, for the most part, they say that, you know, these variants uh, actually look like they were created by man. And people say, oh my gosh, no. And then, and then, and then somehow that became equated with um, Asian phobic. And, and the, the, the case is this. We need to do a better job having discourse. That's what it all comes down to. So you can look at in, in plenty of different scenarios where we didn't have discourse. And because of that, we missed out on the opportunity to really inform ourselves. And what I've learned from my channel is this. You know, this year, 2,000 to 35,000 almost subscribers and growing. And I'm, you know, I'd love to end 2021 with a hundred thousand, but I'll settle for 50,000. And you know what? I'm just happy where I am, but we are trying to grow. What I've learned is this. I'm going to be held accountable in ways I wasn't when I had a small following. 
And part of that is making the right decisions on who to talk to, what platforms to support, how to move forward with my comedy in a way that's either either inclusive or at least open-minded so that I'm not making easy and hack jokes that I might have made a few years ago. Now, if you follow my YouTube, a few years ago, I was making fun of people's, um, you know, their, their fake boobs, uh, the size of their certain body parts. Uh, you know, I would make fun of both or all genders. I would make fun of what somebody looks like. And what I've learned is that while we can all laugh like, oh, so-and-so looks like so-and-so. Okay, yep, there's still, there's, still a way, there's still a way to find humor in saying, oh, yeah, you know, that guy looks like Ben Stiller's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, whatever, whatever the case may be. But really analyzing punching up versus punching down is something I've had to look into. So when it comes to reality, Steve, he... And for those that don't know, that's that's the name he goes by. He's probably, he makes good money. I'm sure he makes you know deep six figures. He makes good um, good money. Lives in Texas. I don't know much about him. Never read his blog. He releases all the spoilers for the show, so he's very well known as like the guy who's in touch with everybody. Well, as has been happening in the Bachelor community, and I'm sure other communities as well, when someone's problematic past surfaces, it gains a lot of traction because. We, as a society in 2021, are not at a place that some of us might have been several years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, two years ago. Now, these comments have gotten Chris Harrison in a lot of trouble because he said, hey, what we knew in 2018 isn't what we knew now. And the truth is, we are all moving to a place of knowledge. We're all moving to a place where we are trying to learn how, like, like, like here's a good example. Is saying somebody's name wasn't offensive to me, like making fun of someone's name. So like there's a contestant that was going to be on the show and his last, and his name's Bao, B-A-O. Okay. He ended up not being on this season. He might be on Michelle Young season. We don't really know. His uh, I mean, Instagram is Bauchowski. Now, clearly that's a play on words for Tchaikovsky, or maybe it's, it's some sort of play on words, um, you know. But there's a lot of people that'll tell you if you if you're gonna like make fun of an Asian guy's name or in the case of Emmanuel Acho, I would say God bless you. Say so, you know Emmanuel Acho, God bless you. And the joke was, well, Acho sounds like he's sneezing, hachu, and innocent, not a hurtful bone in my body. But I did get handful of people saying, you know, maybe don't make fun of a guy's name because while that might sound really funny to you, you might be the thousandth person to say that. So you start to go, okay, there is a little bit of a barometer that happens when people say, hey, you know, like, I don't think you meant this offensively, but here's why it might have been. And I do believe that people can cross the line and be too offended for others. Um, And we need to listen to people's tone when it comes to what they're saying and what they're not saying. And you know what? Some people might be listening to this me talk right now, and this sounds foreign to you, and there's nothing off the table, and everyone's willing to have a good time, and where you live, that's fine. And look, maybe that's the case where you are, and we're all kind of in a different place, but there is a barometer to understanding that there is pullback consequence to using certain terms. Now, for me, I'm not digging my feet in the sand being like, no, that's how I make fun of Emmanuel Acho. I say, God bless you after. I was like, okay, well, we're going to kill that one. We'll, We'll kill that joke. Okay, gotcha. Now, I struggle and I think a lot about apologies. The the older I've gotten, the more sort of specific I've gotten with apologies where in my relationship, if 
Tasha, my fiance, is upset about something, I'll find a way to like really hear what she's upset about. Like when sometimes, sometimes I'll say something I think she's going to be really pissed about and she doesn't care at all. And then sometimes like I'll look the wrong way and she'll like think I'm in a bad mood and then she'll be like, it can be very sensitive when you're in a relationship, when you live in a small place, it can be very sensitive with how you deal with each other's kind of uh, um, emotional uh, variances. But what I've learned in my relationship is that if she's upset about something, don't dismiss what she's upset about. Just think about it and, you know, issue an apology. Hey, you know, I, I, you know, really understand. Don't just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But really understand, like, what's the thing that's made you upset here? And, and, and better off if I can figure it out. And sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can be like, listen, I'm apologizing. I'm like, oh, you're upset that um, I didn't make the bed when I said I was. She's like, that has nothing to do with it. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's what I was, like, I literally don't even know what you're upset about. And that's how we work as humans. And everyone in a relationship knows this, that sometimes we're completely off. But when it comes to apologizing when you've not done something wrong or when you don't, or when you think the person's being unreasonable, an apology in, in like the public uh, sphere, like on social media, can be used as a control mechanism. Like some, like like if I said, um, you know, uh, yeah, Emmanuel Lacho, God bless you, and so and then someone emails me or messages me, and goes, hey, listen, I know, like that's offensive. You got to apologize. I go, why? What? What did I? What are you talking about? I was just making fun of his name. Like, I, like every like every every friend that I know, if they if their name rhymes with something, I'm gonna make fun of it. You know what I mean? Like that. That's what we do. That's what that's what that's what guys do. Literally since caveman times. Well, you know, because it's uh, you know, maybe there, there's other touchy reasons why. Once you're getting into other issues there, and you go, oh, okay, all right. But like, do I need to uh, issue an uh, an, uh, uh, an apology statement there? You know, it really you start to wonder like at what point. If I'm not sorry for something, doesn't mean you won't change, but if I'm not sorry for something, do I apologize to appease some stranger I don't know? Or do you just stick your feet in the ground and say, look, I'll pledge to do better. But like, I'm not going to, you know, if, if I apologize for, for one thing that you don't agree with, you're just going to come at me with the next thing. So I'm learning to be a little bit more impeccable with my word which of course, I believe that's one of the four agreements, right? I could be very wrong here. But I'm learning that, you know, tone is so important. Conversation is so important. But also like, I do a I do a YouTube and a podcasting, right? So I'm audio, I'm video. And then when someone in the comment section has a problem, then it takes it away from the ultimate communication, which is the senses of sight, sound, and all the like intuition that you can feel. When it's in the comment section, that's all out the window and that's when it becomes dangerous. So for the most part, I'm trying to live my communication skills in the home court that I have, which is say it out loud. When you start putting things on paper, it's gonna sound bad if you wanna read it bad. I was just talking to someone and, and I was saying how like the old Einstein quote, you know, whether you live in a friendly universe or a hostile universe, you're not wrong. And like, you have to decide, I probably butcher that quote, but you have to decide which universe you live in. So with regard to reality, Steve, he's written things in the past. Take a sip of my coffee here. He's written things in the past that would be considered very uh, problematic, misogynistic, uh, whatever the case may be. He's treated a lot of these contestants as sort of a commodity, like not real humans. And, you know, I just made a video on Britney Spears, We've talked about Paris Hilton. 
the people, uh, Demi Lovato, the, there's uh, all these pop stars and these celebrities from the 90s and early 2000s. We let them down so much where we treated people like they weren't humans. And then social media came out and we had the ability to get into people's DMs. And yet we still shared that same like snarky, you know, Chrissy Teigen's, you know, coming into into the sort of um, limelight for all the horrible things she said. And we've really had to reckon with how we treat other humans because we know for the most part, this conversation just doesn't happen in person. Nobody sees someone in person and just says, oh, I hated your last album, you piece of crap. Like, don't get me wrong. Some people are cruel. But for the most part, like like for, for me, having done stand-up comedy for 10 years, I've never been treated to a truly like negative, I mean some passive aggressive stuff, but not nearly what someone would say to me in a comment section somewhere. So it's not that those people aren't real, but it's almost like that that style of communication needs to be regarded as lesser than. The comment section, the group think, oh, we don't like this person. Oh, we're canceling this person. So anyway, Reality Steve apologized. I think then the the... The old writings kind of came back up, and you know, pretty. I don't. I'm just taking a guess because, like I said, I haven't. I haven't watched. I haven't read his stuff. But maybe he writes. I don't know. Three, four blogs a week. So he's got years of sort of content that came out really bad. That was kind of like objectifying, misogynistic, whatever. You know. You know. He. Um, he would like. Uh, he spoiled someone's sexuality. Uh, you know, they were bisexual, and he kind of knew about it before it was aired on the show, and he spoiled that. And a couple other instances where he. Of reported faulty stories where he thought, you know, so-and-so cheated on so-and-so and he reported it as fact and then it turns out it was actually a lie. The contestants that are on the show are sort of subject to a weird sort of scrutiny where in most cases, nobody has any reason to... Um, nobody has any reason to like come after some other person. Like you would never make up some text message about your random coworker and try to shame them. But all of a sudden when there's a little celebrity involved, there's a target there. So there have been instances where texts were fabricated. He didn't uh, properly vet them. And you know, maybe they wouldn't have passed my radar either. But like when people actually started to look at them, they go, these aren't even the right texts. You said this was sent three years ago, but that uh, that uh, that operating system wasn't didn't exist till last year. So the text would have been a different color, like all these different scenarios. And he was, and he was like, okay. So so he was almost like a guy. He Here's what he's guilty of. Guilty of being a guy who wrote in a tone that was very sophomoric and... Uh, very much like the way that the other bloggers at the time, again, didn't, I've never read Perez Hilton. People say these were just like a, it was like a brutal era of kind of shock jock blogging. And he's had to reckon with that as he has evolved or at least changed the way he writes. Now he has had other issues. I'm not going to get down, go down the list of everything here, but this all came to light. Um, and then he had an issue where he shared a sex dream he had with a contestant and that crossed the line. She called him out on it. And that was also a big deal to be like, geez, don't you realize the power dynamic here? So there's a lot to unpack with power dynamic, the control you have uh, when it comes to maybe you're not someone's boss. Like uh, we've looked at this with uh, Louis C.K. where he's asked other, Louis C.K. asked other women, can I jerk off in the hotel room? And they said, and they didn't say no. And he never blocked the door. He never did it. it was, that was reported. He never did that. He just, he had a power dynamic by being a, seasoned comedian who was higher up than they were so he could uh, make or break someone's career but he wasn't necessarily like the star and creator of the show Louis at the time so when you look at power dynamic it exists in different ways and it's something worth talking about it's worth talking about power dynamic it's worth talking about uh why you wrote a certain way so 
so a lot of Bachelor Nation, which is a giant, you know, 10, 20 million people. <clears throat> it's the it's it's ingrained Bachelor, the Bachelor show is ingrained into our population. It is part of Americana <clears throat> for the last 20 years. So there's going to be different sub, sub segments. There are, there's the anti-woke bachelor crowd. There's the woke bachelor crowd. And there's a lot of people in between. When it comes to people that were upset with reality, Steve, he immediately apologized. And again, a lot of times when you see celebrities or people that, that are in the limelight apologizing, a lot of times it takes several apologies because you take Taylor Nolan, for example, people are so defensive because they feel like they've changed or they feel like they're not a bad guy. I mean, take me for an example. I am far left. I'm le I'm farther left than a traditional liberal person. I believe in so many different social democratic principles. I would be interested more in universal basic income, uh, de, uh, you know, br breaking down these giant businesses like Amazon, making people pay their fair part of taxes, getting rid of tax loopholes, getting rid of, um, you know, all the money that's in a, in the uh, election system. So many different issues. I would be considered pretty pretty left leaning, you know, and for the most part. I would say I closely rely, I, I my most closely reliant, um, align with what someone like Bernie Sanders preaches. So with all that said, I wake up, I wake up to uh, a couple months ago to a thread that was like calling me like this conservative voice of bachelor. And that was offensive to me and n no offense to cons my conservative friends out there, but it was offensive to me because it was a mischaracterization of all these things that I believe in. And I believe in as a stand-up comedian, free speech, including bad ideas. I believe in somebody sharing their bad ideas or talking through them until they get it right. So there's plenty of people that are misguided. They've got news that's faulty or, uh, or uh, you know, thrown at from a, uh, a weird bias. And it's like, let's unpack this. Let's have this conversation. So for me, shame doesn't work at convincing somebody why their side might not be right. And um, and shame doesn't work in in winning the uh, enlightenment because aren't we all after the same thing, which is living in a world of equality where everyone views each other as equal? I think that's it. I think we all want to start at the starting line and then move on from there. No, you know, uh, um, you know, opportunity. We want opportunity to be equal, equal opportunity, not necessarily equal outcome plenty of other factors in society that will lead to different outcomes, but equal opportunity. Give us all a fair shot. And that's something I've always preached. So to think, to be mischaracterized, I've had to look in deeply at that. Now, I don't know what Reality Steve's political linings are, but I know that he has worked over the last four or five years since the end, I think he said 2016 was the end of these dark misogynistic style blogs and I could never look at the way he has blogged and judge him from a place as if I don't have my own flaws of the way I grew up. A lot of the men I idolized growing up, looking back on it, were probably pretty problematic. And it doesn't mean I don't, like like uncles, uh, people I think of that like, I just, I looked up to them. I wanted to be like like these people. They They were kind of like who I kind of looked up to. So... What, 
that you, I mean, as humans, I mean, look at Madonna. She moves to England for a year and she's got a British accent. We naturally absorb the things around us. We're chameleons. We want to fit in. It's part of how we want to be. It's part of our survival. So when you look at public shaming, shaming is the worst thing you can do to someone. It's not always wrong. It's not always wrong to shame someone, but I think there's a healthy dose and I think the internet almost never gets it right because we pile on. So the healthy dose, like you kind of hit that healthy amount of like, dude, man, this is really messed up what you said. And then it just barrels right past that once, you know, for years on end, you know, until it goes too far. And then people go, oh, you know, I think we're a little tough on somebody. And what it does is there are certain people that can't, I think, own up to their own mistakes and they'll double down in their way of thinking. And so it creates the actual opposite of what you're looking for. If you're looking for growth, sometimes calling someone out, like you got to be true to yourself, call somebody else out. But at the same time, that person it has to battle a lifetime of gene codes of their own ego and not everyone gets there. So some people you can sort of shame into the right direction and some people you can't. Let's just look at this quick article here. Well, and I'll say this before I pull up this article is that Bringing this all up, there's a couple female recappers that do The Bachelor named Wit and Rye. They're lovely sisters living in Georgia, I believe. And they went on Reality Steve's podcast and then Reality Steve went on theirs. And they asked him a lot of tough questions. And a lot of people were, were upset with them for even giving him the platform to share his opinions. A lot of his opinions, which have evolved some some of which are still defensive but it's interesting if you want to talk to him about why he's defensive about certain things that's where the growth is learning that somebody's not quite um you know maybe they're they're not quite at peace with the way things went down because they think other people hate them well why do they hate them and all these great conversations that can happen if we open the channel of communication so it's still fascinating to me that people would rather if, if they could cancel somebody like Reality Steve versus letting the channels of communication stay as wide open as possible. I, so for me, it's like rather than put a Band-Aid on a situation, I say, what can we do internally to make this right? Maybe Reality Steve and his platform is large enough that if he can learn you know effectively why he was being misogynistic and all these things and grow from that wouldn't that be a better scenario than to just shame him out of existence um with all that said i've had these topics with my fiance i've had this topic of discussion where i wonder you know I, and i posted this on the patreon for the video listeners should i interview reality steve should i talk to him and knowing full well i would get a decent yet probably very small portion of my audience very upset. Now, most of my audience has come along um, and embraces the idea of difficult conversations. Most do. But, you know, like a typical people pleaser that I am, I still want, I still want everyone on board. And I think you just got to realize that that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So... At what point, to tie this all back around, and again, please leave a comment. Let me know if this is interesting or if this makes no sense whatsoever, but I'm just trying to give you some behind-the-scenes look at it. At what point do I look myself in the mirror and say, I'm going to risk alienating some people that like me for the chance to tell the truth? The truth not necessarily being that reality Steve got shafted and he's right and he grew or this or that. The truth in this scenario is the conversation. So 
That's the truth versus not talking at all. And, you know, he's asked me to do his podcast and I'm like, well, that's a great opportunity to share, you know, to talk to his platform about who I am and what I do with the show. Because if I could just quickly summarize what I do with the show, it's really less about like, he's the guy who gets all the spoilers and the dirt. I'm kind of more like the human condition. Like, let's talk about people. Let's talk about where they're coming from, where they're going and try to, you know, the the uh, the old the old adage we're all trying the best with the information we have you know you got to stick with that at least that's what I think so that's kind of who I am with this show and if I truly believe and I do that most people are trying the best with the information that they have and that all and that good can come from talking to people even if they have bad ideas or you do with all that belief why shouldn't I have him on my show and I don't have a good answer to that so I know. There's people like that are very trigger worthy when you talk about like Jordan Peterson, that there's a group of people on the left that think he's like this alt-right guy, even though he's himself as a college tenured professor considered himself a traditional liberal. I see people like him that put their foot down and saying, I'm making the difficult yet truthful decision to say no to X, Y, and Z. And that, and that can be hard to do. You know, and a lot of people don't have to make those decisions in life. But I think the decision I've made is that if I feel like I've got questions to ask him and a productive conversation to be had, then I don't see why I shouldn't talk to anybody that might be having these difficult conversations. All right, so let's look at this. The impact of public shaming. Let me go over here on on the YouTube. The impact of public shaming in a digital world. How humiliation tactics are being used and confused for activism. There's no denying how digital life has changed the way we live and behave today. Pew Research Center and Elon University's Imagining the Internet Center recently canvassed stories from technological, I'm sorry, technology experts and scholars about the current and future impact of the internet. Experts were concerned about the way people's online activities can undermine truth, foment distrust, jeopardize individuals' well-being when it comes to physical and emotional health, enable trolls to weaken democracy and community, kill privacy, and open up larger social divisions as digital divides widen and more. And of course, we know these troll farms existed in Russia, right? And and even in the States, they existed to undermine our democracy. It was so easy for another country to basically get us to fight that, you know, they didn't even have to, you know, we could just do that ourselves. These same experts and scholars are quick to remind us of the many positive sides that technology has brought us. Digital life is being able to see and speak uh, someone regardless of where you are on a phone you carry or on your person. I can get answers to questions about almost anything just by asking my telephone. Digital tools enable people to invent and reinvent their lives and careers. So all that stuff. The ugly side, with all this power at our fingertips, we have slowly witnessed the corrosion of both online and offline civility among humanity using public shaming to shift our beliefs rather than having constructive conversations has become the new normal. Are we now blurring the lines between activism and cyberbullying or humiliation? Good question. Um, I'm not co-signing the idea that people that want good things online are bullies, but we do know people like Taylor Nolan, if you don't know, has been considered you know, a social, considers herself a therapist, a sex therapist and a social activist will, will use cyber bullying techniques for people that disagree with her. Many people remember the public shaming of Justine Sacco or maybe Lindsay Stone that went viral and caused both women years of online reputational damage. People from all walks of life participated in vilifying these women. The majority never meet them or knew them. However, with the click of a keypad, we're able to ruin their lives. We shame to pressure outliers to conform to our norms. 
even if no one can agree anymore what those standards should be. I think a lot of people resort to public shaming out of anger and frustration, the desire to call out bad behavior and the need to feel validated for their emotions. We feel justified in sharing that photo or video entitled to call out the rude, crass, or inappropriate behavior. We're doing the world a favor. Thank you very much. Thank you for your feedback. Yeah, I mean, there's, de- there's definitely got to be a dopamine rush that hits when you feel like you've shamed someone or canceled someone. Of course, shaming in America dates as far back as the days of the Puritans, when those deemed to have crossed their thin moral line were subject to being stoned, scorned, thrown into stocks, or worse. Just a generation ago, an embarrassing gaffe might have been written up in the local paper or gossiped about over backyard fences until it was old news, but today is very much different. The internet has eternal life in boundless reach, and victims of a digital disaster must learn to live forever with the implications of that high-tech tattoo. Yeah, as a side note, it's like with um, when Reality C was being interviewed by Witt and Rye, they were like, come on, how do you not know better? And, and he goes, I didn't know better. And they go, come on, Steve, you're not a bad guy. You knew better. And he goes... I didn't know better if I knew I didn't get any emails telling me I was saying the wrong thing. And it doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. It just means that it, we we now live in a social media world where people will collect and let you know in numbers that you did so, that you crossed a line there. So it's not about someone not it's not about what necessarily what's right and wrong, but it's about going, ooh, I touched that. That's hot. Let's not do it again. So it doesn't it doesn't mean, you know, again, it, it's it's all about like how far, like, like if you lived in a small town and you made a mistake or you said, so cat, say you cat called someone and all the local people found out and they wrote up about you. Okay. Oh yeah. Bad, bad, bad. A little bit of shame. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's not do that. No, that's, yeah, you know, I can understand that's humiliating that person. Absolutely. What was I thinking? You know, but it's like, what if the whole nation sees that? Then it's like, then you can't escape the, the problem and the resolution. Does that make any sense? As Jennifer Jacket, an assistant professor of environmental studies at New York University, writes in her book, Is Shame Necessary? New Uses for an Old Tool. The speed at which information can travel, their frequency of an- anonymous shaming, the size of the audience it can reach, and the permanence of the information separate digital shaming from shaming of the past. In other words, being the victim of a public shaming has the potential to ruin your life financially, emotionally, and physically. In the most extreme cases of online harassment, we have seen the worst case repercussions over and over again, young people taking their own lives and adults losing their livelihoods. Bullying versus activism. In a culture of rising in in civility, combined with many that are both sensitive and passionate about their beliefs, people are using bullying or harassing behavior and labeling it as activism. The latest target to experience this is Tess Thompson Tally. Although she's an avid hunter, which many animal rights activists as well as animal lovers may not agree with, it doesn't dismiss her right to her interests and hobbies as long as there is nothing illegal. Hunting is definitely not for everyone, myself included. However, to blatantly mock her and send her death threats on social forums is not activism. This is a form of harassment. In an age of online hate, it's disheartening to watch adults criticize and send digital daggers at each other. These are the same people that are supposed to be the role models for the next generation. So again, with Reality Steve's scenario, it's it's different that he didn't commit one gaffe. He had a structural and like moral compass that needed to be steered in a better direction. And just because he stopped writing about in misogynistic ways in 2016 doesn't mean that he wasn't going to make other mistakes in the future, including the mistake with Demi where he called her and told her about a sex dream he had. So, so it doesn't mean he's immune from, you know, oh, I see the light. I'm not going to make any mistakes again. And it's also me not apologizing for him. Just objectively looking. I've never even met Reality Steve or, or even spoke to him on any level whatsoever up until like three days ago when he, when he saw my reaction to his video and said, hey, thanks for understanding that I'm trying to do better, you know? 
Tally is not alone. In the past couple of months, she's had company. Barbecue Becky, Permit Patty, and Pool Patrol Paula are all nicknames for average people that made public spectacles of themselves, forgetting there's always someone ready to aim and shame your most embarrassing moments. There are no winners. When activism turns into digital or civil warfare, the message will likely get lost and all people will remember is static noise. Change can't and won't happen through this type of behavior. You may not have heard of the restaurant in Virginia, Red Head, Red Hen, I know this story, until it made headlines after White House Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked to leave by the owner because they didn't agree with her politics. It didn't take long for social feeds to light up and publicly shame both Sanders and Red Hen, especially since there was another restaurant in Connecticut with the same name struggling to let people know it wasn't them. So it just, one, you know, one story after another here. Um, in his recent article, The Ricochet Effect of Public Shaming Now on Full Display, Mitch Album helps explain how divided people are today and how it contributes to public humiliation. To use words like honesty, compassion, and cooperation as reasons to evict someone shows a total lack of, well, honesty, compassion, and cooperation. As for compassion, what compassion are you showing for someone who, for all you know, may struggle with certain elements of her job herself? Nor is this about cooperation. It's the opposite of cooperation. It's about your feelings trumping everything else, include decorum, manners, or common decency. Sanders didn't murder anyone. Album ends his essay by reminding us it's about us. As we watch people in authority behave inappropriately, as well as adults, business owners, and others, it's up to us to lead by example. When in doubt, click out. Being an activist is admirable. You don't have to be a bully. Be constructive with your behavior. Comments not combative. There is never a reason to use profanity, mock people, or especially wish death to others. One lasting thought. You are your online presence. Your immediate gratification to insult someone for what you may believe is activism will be attached to your digital resume forever. Short-term vindication is rarely worth the long-term ramifications. Having a bad day? Give yourself permission to sign off. All right, very interesting article there. Tasha, you home? I think Tasha just got home. Are you home? In, are you in there, Tasha? Oh, maybe not. I thought I heard the door open. All right, well, let's wrap this up, guys. So um, one more article. Cancellation might feel good, but it's not activism. So again, you, you don't... And this, like uh, Jimmy Dore, who's a left-leaning comedian, you know, is being called like an alt-right guy now because... He's uh, unliked by another left-leaning uh, group online if you follow this feud. And, and what the thing that I'm noticing over and over is when you dissent to like a set of beliefs, people want to label you as either alt-right or, you know, they want to like, like, they want to label you a certain way and misrepresent who you are. And it's hard to fight that. But what I'm learning is the more you can talk about complicated issues, be willing to be wrong, be willing to, you know, even though you're trying to do your research, figure things out and still and still not get it right, but but not having the ego to say, no, I've learned, I'm not growing. By doing all of that, it's hard to be misrepresented, you know? You know, the people can still pull, pull quotes. You know, I have to risk every um, podcast, including this one, from being taken out of context and saying, oh, I'm a, an apologist or a sympathizer or this or that. And no, I think the case is more about where do we move together as society when we do get to a point where like, like take reality, Steve, everybody who's associated with them is not guilty of his misogynistic behavior. So we can't be throwing stones at everybody below him or attached to him. We have to move forward. So real quick article, a cancellation might feel good, but it's not activism. While denouncing someone can get you high, it ignores human complexity and is no substitute for the hard work of persuasion. Oh, I already like this already. 
I see cancel culture as just another power tool of misogyny, and I cannot stand by and watch as more women are basically thrown onto the pyre. How do you change someone's mind? This may appear to be a simple question, and this is in The Guardian, by the way. Um, This may appear to be a simple question, but it's a very complicated one. What makes you change your mind? How about this? Even though you tried your best in life, you had a couple of bad thoughts that I find offensive, so I make sure you lose your job and that none of your mutual friends ever speak to you again. I call you a hate monger, and I encourage others to do the same. I come on like a tooled-up Dalai Lama, a semi-deity of moral spotlessness, and you are cast out forever maligned by random egg people on Twitter. The world at large ignores it all because all that happens is that everyone's existing... Uh, worldview is simply reinforced. The term cancel culture originally surfaced as a hashtag credited to black users of Twitter. It was used when celebrities such as Michael Jackson or Bill Cosby or Roseanne Barr were seen to fall from grace. At times, it got linked to the Me Too movement, and so Louis C.K. was canceled for all of 10 months. Taylor Swift said in 2016 that she had been portrayed as a liar after saying Kanye West did not warn her about his lyrics. The hashtag Taylor Swift is canceled soon trended. Yeah, and, and just as a side note, the idea of even mentioning, like, having issues with cancel culture sometimes can come off like, oh, well, you know, like, you, it's, so, it's so politicized, but there is something to be said about the how flippant and broad the term cancel is. And, of course, a lot there's been a lot of people um, that say counsel, not cancel. You know, I believe his name's Eric Michael Dyson. I'm so sorry if I got this name wrong. I don't have the top of my head. But counsel, not cancel. The idea of growth and learning you know, it doesn't mean there isn't accountability. That's the defense. No, if you're anti-cancel culture, someone says, no, this isn't cancel culture. It's just accountability. Well, we as a society, you know, need to decide uh, what crimes or, or punishments, I should say, we're going to levy on someone for the accountability. Like, at what point do do have they paid the price? You know what I mean? As you said, when you say someone is canceled, it's not a TV show. It's a human being. When civ- when civilians, ordinary human beings are canceled, their lives are turned upside down. John Ronson has written perceptively about cancel culture's sibling, public shaming. An, Ill- an ill-advised tweet may make someone unemployable, the consequences lingering for years. I write this as someone who I know some would like canceled because I continue to think biological sex exists, which in certain circles is heresy. It's true I have this platform, and cancel culture can be a way for the powerless to bring down the powerful. Lately, however, I see it as just another power tool of misogyny, and I cannot stand by and watch as more women are basically thrown onto the pyre while twitchy mobs ready their torches. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I'm going to try to get through this because I'm not trying to bring <laughs> a whole separate topic into it. Uh, so, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot, you know, people will use whatever tools they have uh, at their disposal to to um to win an argument and i think the real winning is learning growth moving forward so when we have kids and when they have kids we don't just hate a certain type of people we see everyone as equals this is something that doesn't necessarily shift overnight but i don't think that you know i think symbolically by canceling someone you might send a message to others but i think your that person still exists and there's some like sort of ma- martyr for the world of like why you know, of, of what happens, you know, what it's they're very complicated to, uh, um, be eloquent with all this, but I think we understand that when given the choice, any opportunity at all, counsel over cancel, when given the choice to hear someone out, like for me, if reality, Steve, if, if I, if I come up with questions and I go, oh, you know what? I don't think this part's been addressed. I'd love to hear you elaborate on this, or I don't want to hear you just apologize, but I want you to tell me why, 
you feel a certain way. I want to tell me why you're still feeling defensive about this part of, you know, whatever the case may be. I'll take that every day of the week over just saying, you know, ears, you know, fingers in my ears. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's just, we, it's so, and again, as an audience, you guys get to vote with your dollar and decide if you want to see it or not. But I think it's important for all of us to realize that that content should be out there and we should be embracing that discourse. It's almost like we're all in college. There's no professor. We're all asking questions. We're all telling each other to shut up. And like I said before, we need to shut up and listen. We need to ask good questions and let other people talk. And, and, and you know what? There could be scenarios in which I'm, in, I'm having an interview with someone and they still have bad ideas. But if I can ask them questions that might change their perspective or way of thinking or build empathy uh, when, when there's fear, that's more important. That's more important than, you know, it's almost like this. If, if, you're in, if you're in a math class and someone tells you what the right answer is, it's like, no, no, no. Show me how you got to the right answer. I don't want the right answer so I can, you know, know what this specific problem is. I want to know how to solve the equation. I want to know how to solve the issues that we have of ignorance, of bias, of um, misogyny, of fear. Because a lot of things, almost everything in life that's negative is rooted in fear. You know, so you slut shame somebody. Oh, why is she wearing that? This and that. What a whore. Blah blah blah. Well, what are you what are you afraid of? A powerful woman's sexuality? Like, you, what is that? And then you go, oh, you know what? Maybe I am. Maybe maybe I am using that as a control mechanism. Or like, maybe you know, it's like you don't even know. You don't even know what your visceral feelings are until you can until like you're exposed to them and and spoken about. I don't know, folks. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, leave a comment if you're on the YouTube or uh, reach us. Hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at dneil. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. I hope you all go to the beach and have fun. And that's going to be it from me. If you want my vlog channel, I got a brand new vlog out, how my car battery was stolen for the fourth time. Go check that out and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye now. The S-A-R.